In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. From the Psalms, be still and know that I am God. From St. John of the Cross, quote, silence is God's first language. When someone runs up to me enthusiastically and tells me that God told them such and such, or God told them ABC, I typically, if I'm honest, just ignore them. Is this because I'm a strict modernist who believes in nothing supernatural? No, but typically those who tell me they have heard God's voice seem to be a little too casual about the creator of the universe stopping by for a chat with them. They're telling me that God spoke to them with the same intensity as when their neighbor told them to come over and get their dogs droppings off the lawn. Perhaps they are blessed among all people in my generation to receive a visitation, who knows? But I don't get a sense of fear and awe that we see in the Bible when someone experiences a visitation from God or his messengers. So how do we hear God's voice? What does it sound like? Is it audible, visual? I would imagine it covers all the senses. These questions are hard to answer because God speaks to us through means. Language is a means. People are means. Experience, circumstance, and situations are all means. We know that God speaks to us through his eternal word, Jesus Christ, and in the record that we have of him, the word of God. Bible. Whatever means we hope to hear God speak to us, we first need to learn to block out the noise that we are living in and enter into the eternal silence of God. Yes, to hear God speak, particularly in our time, we need to be able to listen. And to be able to listen, we need to shut out the noise. You might be wondering, what noise? That is our first problem. We do not realize how noisy our lives have become until we enter into some form of silence. Have you ever been camping out in the desert or perhaps in the mountains very far from any roads or cafes and you notice how silent it is? No background noise, no clutter, no radio, no funny ringtones, just silence. The most recent experience I had of this was going up to St. Andrew's Abbey in Viermo, which is not that far, but it's the high desert. And, you know, we're in our air-conditioned car the whole time with the radio on and the AC. Turn off the engine, turn off the car, get out, and it is silent. I didn't realize I lived in a noisy area. I don't live in New York City. But silence is powerful when you experience it. Exterior noise intensifies interior noise. Sometimes, uh, you know, the noises around us affect us till we get internally anxious. And exterior silence can help bring about interior silence. But even if we are able to block out all the noises outside of us, we might still have a noisy heart. We must train our interior lives for silence. It cannot just happen on demand. Like running a race or training, it takes preparation to enter 
silence. You might be wondering what this has to do with St. Joseph. We'll get him there. In today's Gospel from Matthew, we see the Word of God in the form of an angel come to Joseph in a dream. It's interesting, Joseph in dreams, we automatically think of Joseph and his brothers, the dreamer in Genesis. This is also known as the Annunciation to Joseph, where he is told that his wife-to-be is carrying a child whose conception is from the Holy Ghost. In the ancient world, your betrothed or your espoused wife was considered your spouse even if the marriage had not been consummated yet. We've heard this story so much, we do not see the scandal in it. Joseph was just told that his wife is pregnant and he is not the father. Unlike St. Mary, St. Joseph does not break out into song. He does not say, all generations shall call me blessed. Perhaps Joseph is thinking, if this is how God talks to me, I don't want to hear the voice of God. The narrative goes on to portray Joseph as a man full of justice and mercy. Being just, he was going to give his wife a certificate of divorce. The, uh, the, the translation says, put her away. It means he's, he's going to give her a divorce to be just. But because he's merciful, he's going to do this quietly and not make a show of her. Now, there's much conjecture and tradition surrounding St. Joseph, but this morning I want to focus on how St. Joseph heard the voice of God and listened. For us to be able to both hear and listen to God's voice, we must be in a place where this is possible. We cannot be full of external and interior noise. We must have what has been called a listening heart. Joseph had a listening heart, and this heart obeys even when it does not fully understand. When we wait too long to obey or take action, we start to fill our hearts with doubt, perhaps a doubting heart. When we wait even longer to do what is asked of us, our hearts become hard and bitter. Joseph's heart was trained to be receptive and when he heard the voice of God, he took action immediately. A heart that is attuned to listening to God is always about the business of cultivating the presence of God. In other words, to hear God's voice, we must be in step with God, or as St. Paul says, in step with the Spirit, as a habit, as a ritual. St. Joseph was not only just and merciful, but he was devout. Luke's Gospel tells us that each year he took his family to Jerusalem for the Passover. Now this wasn't as easy as just going to a local church on Christmas or Easter. It was an effort. They did not live in Jerusalem, they had to travel there. Weeks of planning, preparation, weeks of travel. It was a serious commitment to go to Jerusalem for Passover, and we're told that Joseph led his family there every year. He was concerned with the spiritual formation of his family. These serious commitments to God, like St. Joseph had, and like we try to cultivate, do pay out dividends. But they are not dividends we see overnight. They are for the long road ahead. 
Spiritual exercises and disciplines, much like physical exercise and discipline, do not show their full power or results, usually until a time of testing or trial or age. This does not mean that we ease up on them when things are easy. We should view the times of peace as times of training and preparation. While St. Joseph was still a young father, he was put to a test. King Herod heard that there was a new king born, so feeling threatened, he wished to eliminate all children to and under. Being in step with the Spirit, St. Joseph heard the word of God in a dream and fled to Egypt as commanded. Swift obedience is often the result of years of trust and training. As we begin a new calendar year tomorrow, many of us are thinking about how to improve, cultivate, or foster certain areas of our life. I found when doing this, it's important to have role models or guides. Perhaps you like to read biographies. Well, I'm giving you St. Joseph today as one of these guides. We typically don't think much about St. Joseph and if we do, we admire him as a carpenter whose primary role was to be the backdrop to the Blessed Virgin and Holy Child. But our tradition remembers all three individually and collectively. St. Joseph leads the Holy Family with faithfulness through various storms and trials, making it possible for Jesus to grow into maturity and enter into his ministry which was to give his life for the world. When we think of St. Joseph, let us remember that God's messengers spoke to him out of a place of silence and stillness, in the place of dreams and of rest, and not in the place of action and busyness. This does not mean that St. Joseph was lazy and just sat around. In fact, I always have the opposite image of St. Joseph, a carpenter, a craftsman, who used his hands, what we might call very manly, but he knew how to be still and how to rest. Let us do the same in our lives this year, to be faithful and diligent in our jobs and our vocations, and yet to make time for rest, for stillness and solitude so that we can say with the psalmist, we will be still and know who God is. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost.